Well, I can honestly stand here this morning and say I am glad to be back after a wonderful vacation in Alaska. Alan and I were with good friends from Dallas. We had the best trip, and I'll be happy to bore you and tell you all about it anytime you want to know. But this morning, I just want to tell you about one little part of our trip. It happened 12 days ago. It happened right about the same time of day that we are right now. Alan and I were joining our four good friends in a, on a tourist boat in the harbor of Skagway, Alaska. We were there because we were about to spend a day hiking and viewing wildlife, things like bears and elk and stuff like that. Um, but to get there, we had to take a one-hour boat ride out of our protected inlet into some open water. On the other side of that water, there was a state park. So 30 of us crowded into this boat and off we went. It was a pleasant enough ride for at least the first 10 minutes. And then the wind picked up. That's when I learned that Skagway means place where the north wind blows in the native Thinglet language. The waves got larger, and eventually they became larger than our boat. The captain stopped bantering with us, instead was on his radio. He was speaking to other boat captains just ahead of us. 30 minutes into this really bumpy ride, we actually came out of our narrow little inlet into the larger body of water, and that's when the full force of the wind hit our boat. Suddenly we were pitching and rolling, the bow kept disappearing under the waves, and before I could think or react, our captain turned the boat around back into the relative safety of the inlet. Sorry, folks, he said. I hate this, but the wind is just too strong to get you to that state park. We'll have to go back to Skagway Harbor. There's nothing I can do in this little boat against this wind. Well, at the time, I was a little annoyed. I mean, I was looking forward to seeing bears, right? My whole day had now kind of turned upside down, but after this weekend, after hearing about that tragedy on Table Rock Lake in Branson, Missouri, where tourists literally lost their lives in a boat that was fighting wind and waves, I am so very grateful for my Skagway boat captain. I'm grateful for his decision. I'm grateful for his respect, right, for the strong winds of Southeast Alaska. Because in a boat or in life, when the wind changes, when it begins to work against you, when things get upended or choppy or disorienting, your decisions matter. Steering the correct course matter, and the one at the helm with hands on the wheel matters. And winds do change, don't they, my friends? And winds do blow against us at times, don't they? That was the case for the earliest Christians. I'm talking about that very early church who lived just 30 or 35 years after the death 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That small, faithful little band of believers. Because in that time, just 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Roman Empire began to wage a brutal war against the Jewish people of Palestine. And one particular group of Jewish Christians, they felt the wind changing. They felt the wind blowing against them. They felt the winds of political oppression and evil. They felt the winds of sin and doubt. And they began to fear the future. Even more devastatingly, they began to fear that the hope, the love, the kingdom of God that Jesus had preached and practiced and ushered into the world, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't coming at all. Not from what they could see. And it certainly wasn't happening as they had expected. Imagine the eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and ministry are dying off. Communities like theirs are in grave danger of obliteration. The winds of history, of politics, blew strongly. And they blew against the infant church. That's when God's spirit did something amazing. God's spirit led someone in that small community to do something that had never been done before. God's spirit led someone, later the church called him Mark, to write down what Mark 1.1 calls the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. To write the first gospel. And it directed the early community. It brought them comfort and hope. And it answered their questions and it challenged them to be faithful as they struggled against the strong winds of their day. And our passage this morning in Mark 6, the event only told this way in Mark's gospel. The memory of Jesus' disciples in a boat straining at the oars against an adverse wind. Don't you love that translation? Straining, no storm, doesn't talk about a storm. Straining at the oars at an adverse wind. Well, that was exactly what that little group of Christians needed to hear. When the wind is strong, when the wind seems to blow against you, remember, once those who love Jesus found themselves in a little boat on the Sea of Galilee, and in the middle of the night, the winds changed and they began to blow with strength and they blew against them. Those disciples struggled at the oars and those disciples believed themselves to be alone. But, says the sixth chapter of Mark, Jesus, far away on a mountaintop praying, he saw it all. He knew everything. And in their darkest hour, three or four in the morning, at their toughest moment, Jesus came to them and the wind ceased. Take heart, said Jesus, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, the gospel says, you are not alone, not even in your darkest hour, even then and maybe especially then. Jesus sees you. He knows the wind against you, and Jesus cares. 
That's the heart of the gospel, my friends, that Jesus cares enough to come close, to be present with us. And that presence, that relationship, it changes everything. It makes all the difference. Thanks be to God for this word from the gospel of Mark, because it's a word that I need today. It's a word that you need today. It's a word that the church in the year 2018 needs as surely as in the year 65, right? Because adverse winds still blow, don't they? Because we all will struggle at the oars at times, won't we? You know this, anyone raising a young family would know this. How could you be raising a young family and not feel the strong winds blowing against your good work, right? Winds of hatred or meaninglessness or violence. Winds that would teach your children to value things that you, want, you would have nothing to do with, that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Winds of activity or meaning or value that would pull you away from an authentic relationship with one another and with Jesus. Anyone trying to stay married knows this, right? Because a marriage of any length has felt the strong winds blow of conflict or distraction, of selfishness or misunderstanding. Those strong winds that could blow into your relationships that can pull you apart. At work, many of us, especially those of us in the second half of our careers, have felt the strong winds of change, altering the playing field that we work on, making our jobs insecure, and making our job satisfaction, well, lacking. And then there are those gale force, destructive winds that are blowing in our politics, in our society, and in global events, all of which seem out of our control, all of which affect our future and certainly affect the future of our children. Yes, adverse winds still blow, and we will still struggle at the oars. So pay attention, my friends. Look closely at God's word for us this morning. Because those earliest disciples couldn't recognize Jesus coming to them in their struggle against the wind, right? They couldn't recognize him. They didn't know that he was with them. They only knew their fear and doubt. Jesus diagnosed it. He called it hardened heart syndrome. Did you hear that? Hardened heart syndrome. You know, it's that thing that happens when we focus on our challenges and our fear. It's that thing that happens when we believe ourselves to truly be alone to truly be at the mercy of the forces around us. It's that thing that happens when we forget that Jesus, our Jesus, the one who wants to be in relationship with us is the Lord of every wind and every storm coming close to us in every dark hour, close enough to die on a cross for goodness sakes, on a cross for you and for me. Hardened heart syndrome. That's when we forget that Jesus cares and continues to come 
as we fight the winds against us. When we forget that Jesus has a purpose and a plan for us, for our good, when we forget to expect that Jesus is gonna show up. I know a lot of people these days who are swearing off Facebook. Do you have friends doing that? They make that long speech, right? You know, fare thee well, my friends. I cannot handle Facebook any longer. I will see you later. You'll never see me do that. I cannot and will not give up Facebook. You wanna know why? Because every now and then, every now and then, I get a chance through Facebook to see spelled out so clearly how Jesus has showed up in the life of someone that I love, that I walked with years and years ago. It just happened this week. This week on my Facebook feed, somewhere in Ketchikan, Alaska, I got cell phone coverage and I'm looking at my Facebook and this picture pops up and this picture took me back about four years to literally one of the saddest moments that I've ever experienced as a pastor. It's a picture of a mother and a father in a delivery room holding two, not one, but two babies who have not survived. They're twin daughters born with what is called, if I can say this right, twin to twin transfusion syndrome. They rarely survive. Beautiful little girls, stillborn. I remember it so vividly because I was there when that picture was taken. Looks on their faces, the utter despair and hopelessness of that moment. But it appeared on Facebook four years later in history and the mother wrote the most amazing post. It got copied on a couple of blogs where she reflected back on that experience. She reflected back on what I remember as a completely dark time for her. It lasted months and months and months as you would expect, as you could understand. But she also reflected now four years later, how God showed up in that dark time. She remembered the 30 people sitting in the waiting room, praying for them as that delivery was happening. She remembered the pastors who had been there. She remembered the naming ceremony that we did before those babies were taken away. And she remembered that the church, when she couldn't feel the love of Jesus, when she couldn't feel hope any longer, that the church would not let her go. And that through that church, she found light and hope again. It was a beautiful story. And then she went on to talk about something I didn't know, that she had gotten involved in a new ministry in the Dallas area called Holy Sows where they sow layettes and give them to hospitals so that other families won't have to receive their babies wrapped in small pieces of torn blanket like she had. 
She wrote, make sure, with a lot of nudging from God, I consciously decided to make the choice to use my experience of devastating loss to help others. I chose to teach my boys that while life isn't always fair and perfect, it can be filled with all kinds of love and care for others. Friends, in her darkest moment, Jesus showed up in ways she couldn't see or understand at the time. Jesus came to her and helped her push against the wind of depression and darkness into a new ministry, into a new mission for life. And I have to tell you, she and her family are my favorite people to watch on Facebook. Friends, I want you to remember these two important words today. And the first is this, strong winds will blow and they will blow against us. Christians have known this for 2000 years. Christians have experienced this for 2000 years. In fact, I could make the case, though this is another sermon, that the church often sets its best course when the winds of this world, the winds of sin and evil are blowing against it. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said in John's gospel in chapter 14. He meant it, it's true. So we shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't let our hearts be hardened by it. That's the first word for today. And here's the second. When strong winds blow in unexpected ways, when we can't see it or recognize it, when our hearts are hard and hurting, weary and waning, even in the darkest hour, Jesus comes. Jesus draws close. The good news of grace is that Jesus calms the winds of our lives, whether we understand it, whether we recognize it, whether we believe it or not. Peace I give you, my peace. It's not peace like the world gives. Jesus says this in, in John's gospel chapter 14 as well. And he means it. It's true. And that peace is available as we open ourselves to a relationship with him, as we prioritize living with God's kingdom in our hearts and in our minds. It allows us to triumph over any wind. It allows us to experience joy in every circumstance. So dear ones, whatever adverse wind you struggle against today, However your oars are straining, whatever condition your heart might be in, the gospel message is simple and profound. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, and Jesus comes. The prophet Isaiah expressed this confidence we have in our God so well in the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, saying it this way, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. So when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you won't be burned. The flames won't consume you for I am the Lord, your God. 
I'm the Holy One of Israel. I'm your Savior. Let us pray. God, we come to you because you are the only place to come. When strong winds blow, when they blow against us, when we don't know our way, oh God, help us to find our way back to you. We thank you that you sent us Jesus and that in Jesus, we are not alone, that a way has been made. Make us courageous people. Help us in this time of gale force winds, come to us and once again, show us the joy of our salvation in Jesus' name.